Marini's Media. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, that's not our vote, this is our vote, say Crocodile Dundee. Well, just Dundee. The Dark Blues finally make up their mind and end the lower league seasons. But why were Dundee so late? Why were Aberdeen told their vote wasn't needed? And will there be an independent investigation? Is it over? Not even slightly. At least we've got Wagner. I'm Andrew Slavin, and joining me in Podland is tactical maestro and fully qualified coach. He's from the Telegraph. Hello, JJ Bull. Hello. It's not that I'm fully qualified. You keep going on about this coaching thing. I've done the very first basic coaching bits. <laughs> Come on, mate. You, you, you can you can talk to us about football. You can tell can. us why the football and works. I will. Uh, yes. I like talking about football. It's good. It's been especially useful as my been my job when there has been no football. You're talking about like like fake football now, aren't you? No, I have been live logging FIFA games and doing uh, columns. Sorry, on, on sorry, games, I, I apologise. I apologise. Computer games are not fake football. I, I retract it's not, that. It's statement. an extension of the football experience. It's not there to replace it. It's there, and you can get genuine tension from watching these uh, video game tournaments. Honestly, like I've been to one. Uh, they are. Uh, for work, I should add. I don't know why I have to try and convince myself even that it's not totally <laughs> like I actually quite like it. Um, well, and I well, play Pro Evo uh, often. I'm terrible at it. It's all good. It's my how I get a little bit of football fix. So Very, very nice. Well, also coming up on the podcast, football maestro, pundit extraordinaire and DJ Pat Nevin joins us later to give his thoughts on the chaotic situation in the SPFL. But that's not all because we'll finally be finishing JJ's team of the season and it's we'll also... <laughs> we'll also relive the Queen of the South glory days from 2008. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. So since we last spoke, quite a lot has happened, namely the end of the Scottish Championship and Leagues 1 and 2 leaving Dundee United, Wraith Rovers and Cove Rangers as respectively champions and Partick Thistle and Stranraer relegated, which was all decided via points per game. There's been quite a lot of questions that have arisen out of this. BBC Scotland did a lot of the heavy lifting, to be fair, at the weekend, interviewing Anne Budge, Dave Cormack and Les Gray, as well as Gary Deans and others. So if we try to summarise what's been said since Dundee decided to vote in favour of the resolution on Wednesday, here it is. The majority of clubs seem to back an independent investigation. Neil Doncaster told Aberdeen their vote wasn't needed... 20 or so minutes before the supposed deadline. Restructuring is not being seen as a permanent solution, according to Anne Budge, who has been chairing a chat on that subject prior to us recording. Budge has also asked why funding couldn't be released without ending the season. The fairness of the solution has been called into question and there are further questions of retribution for Dundee and John Nelms. And on Monday, Nicholas Sturgeon warned against playing behind closed doors. But before we give our thoughts on it all, we're going to speak with someone who, let's be fair, knows far more than us. So delighted to be joined by Pat Nevin, former Clyde Motherwell, Kilmarnock and Scotland winger. A few English clubs as well. <laughs> um, how are you, Pat? How is everything going? And um, take us into how you're kind of finding this whole saga in Scottish football it seems to be a bit of a mess um, but what are your own thoughts? 
Well, first of all, I love the intro. That's the first time I've been intro just with the Scottish clubs, I think, ever. So that is brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. It's kind of been odd. I've been following it really closely. I was talking to another uh, ex-international player about it today, Brian McClare, who's one of my best friends. Um, we both take very, very similar views on it. And everyone, to me, hear the phrase, we're doing this for the good of the game. Make sure you just mute at that point in time, okay? Just mm. turn it off at that time. This is not the time people are doing things like that. This is the time, we, it's, this is an existential threat to most of the clubs. So they will not consider that. What they will consider is what gives them the best chance of safety, security, existence. And that's what most of them are making decisions about. Now, there will be a lot around it. There will be a lot of mistakes made. We can tell there's been a whole bunch of mistakes made. Certainly the vote was bothering on funny if you're not a, a Scotsman who hangs about in England quite a lot because they just laugh at you. But it was ridiculous the way it was done and we know all about the day thing. However, they will make decisions that they have to make for the best of their own individual clubs. And that's what's happening just now. And the politicking that's going on around it, what, what they're trying to do, the clubs that wanted to get a change within the system, which they are trying to do, that's what they wanted the end game to be. Problem is, there's not enough clubs that agree on what they want to go. So it will, be, it will continue to be a shambles for quite some time, I suspect. So this is the thing. We're in a process now where we have a task force which is led by the two bottom clubs of the Scottish Premiership and a whole host of other clubs, um, including the Highland and Lowland League. With the whole point of having a resolution for league reconstruction, what's confusing to me is that can this even happen without the support of Celtic and Rangers? And is there, a, is there an element of frustration, even when you in your time at Motherwell, that certain things can't happen without the support of the old fun teams? One of the biggest problems I had, even back then, and it's always been the case, that um, for the major decisions, you need an 11-1 vote. That's what you need. And of course, the vast majority of the time, although people will never believe it, out with Scottish football, out, out with you know, the west of Scotland, Celtic Rangers 99% of the time vote together. And basically, you don't get anything through because they usually have the same type of thing that they want. On this occasion, it would appear they don't have exactly the same things, but you still need 11-1. And the chances of getting an 11-1 and any of the proposals that are going to be thrown up for re- reconstruction are minimum, minimal. And of course, they're all predicated on a couple of things. And remember, follow the money and you'll get the answer. So the money is, what's the best way to make the money? They'll, they'll figure that out by the constructing the league the way it is just now, with the numbers they have just now. Anyone who comes back now and says, right, we've got a different league re- reconstruction, uh, it won't get you as many games as the old firm, and you might as well stop the sentence there. Because it's not going anywhere. Because <laughs> that's what it's about. Now, it was about that before. And it's about that with bells on now because of the financial state of the clubs. And so, you know, you'll hear it. I, I can almost laugh sometimes when I hear people talking about the hue and cry around, you know, oh, it's them trying to get to us and it's personal. It's, none of it is. It really isn't. It's not personal. It's, it's actually not about Celtic winning the league, Rangers catching Celtic. That's that's all secondary the primary focus is what they're going to do will help them financially and that will be the answer going forward do you think uh, there should be an independent investigation into how the SPFL have handled it and why do you think they want to keep it internal I think most organisations try to keep everything they 
humanly possibly can internal if they can because when you start digging you will find worms <laughs> that's what happens in business and it doesn't matter if it's this particular problem we've got just now or any other problems now we do know and i think it's quite well known that certain clubs were phoning up other clubs during the voting process if you do an external sort of investigation out of that then you have to go and try and find out about those phone calls well a they won't be recorded and b that's what politicking happens. That is what happens. But you can read into that whatever you like. So they can go and spend a good bunch of money on the you know, external review. They can go and kick this into the long grass for uh, quite a long time. You think that's going to be finished before September? Yeah, good luck for you, because it won't. I can't see the point of it, other than the fact that it'll stop people getting a wee bit annoyed for a while. I would like to see it, but do I expect to see it? Nah. We, we heard um, from Aberdeen's chief executive um, on BBC on Saturday mm-hmm. explain that he had been contacted by Neil Doncaster and it seemed like it was a fairly uh, honest conversation explaining what's going on. Aberdeen were looking for certain assurances on things mm-hmm. and the conversation was that Neil Doncaster would take that to the club. But Neil Don- Doncaster did say to Dave Cormack that they've, they've already got the nine votes required um, so we don't need... Aberdeen's vote was that a wise call for Neil to disclose that information at the time is that a little bit odd to you I find it surprising that anyone has any discussions about any vote before the vote's finished you know if you are not part of the vote you know you put the vote out there you don't do daft things that say 28 days when it should be five o'clock or five o'clock when it should be 28 days or whatever you make it clean it means that how many votes do you know that aren't clean done to a specific time period that's how it works. And the fact that it wasn't working in that way, people might suggest, oh, because of COVID-19, it's difficult. Hey, excuse me, even we managed to get ourselves in touch with each other via various technologies when one didn't work. And we're not like multinational companies so uh, or, and our top football clubs in, in any country. So they should be able to get that done. And that was a mistake to do that. You shouldn't really be meddling. You shouldn't be meddling. You should be letting people do make the decisions. However, if you are phoned up and asked for advice by a club, you have to give the advice. So you're slightly in between a rock and a hard place in that one. I can remember having you know, the guy I used to talk to most of the time when I was involved was uh, Roger Mitchell. And Roger and Mitchell and I are still great mates. We meet up regularly still. And I mean, an utterly, utterly honest broker. And he left Scottish football with everybody thinking he was precisely the opposite of the individual human being he was. That's the problem you've got with the media, the Scottish football, the fans, social media they've got just now. You will paint a picture of what people are actually like. And in actual fact, most of the time the guys that are structuring things are just trying to do their best and answer the questions when they're asked. That's usually when you're looking for some long, involved, complex theory. It's usually muck up. That's <laughs> usually where the problem is. That's one of the things Am Budge kind of touched on. Is he says mm. he doesn't think anyone's doing anything mm. untoward, but then does that point possibly towards a bit of not incompetency, but it's not been handled fantastically well, and it might reduce mm. some uh, of their authority and people's respect for the leadership they've shown. <laughs> Trying not go too hard on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but look, look, hey. Could we say that about governments just now? Could you say that about anyone just now? The thing that I've, I think people do forget in these situations, I always try and remember when, when I'm talking about football from covering football matches and somebody does something, I try to explain A, what happens, 
and what has happened and b why it happened and i don't want to say phrases like what the hell was he thinking of because i'm here to tell you what he was thinking of and why he think of it and why he did it right because it's too easy to be shouting and bawling like that very very similar when you're talking about football clubs and making decisions why did you do that well most of the time you were in crisis management that's where you were you weren't thinking the whole thing through you were thinking along a certain line which was you were trying to do the best for your organization did you think of the the wider consequences of it if it got out if it was thought about from another angle by somebody else no you probably didn't that was the most common thing that i would have found my time working within now be it motherwell the sfa chairman of the pfa anything that was the most common thing particularly in times of crisis management and i have never known anything close to the levels of crisis management we're in just now in football yeah i was going to say there was really smart words from dave cormack the aberdeen chairman when he said in all my time in business the the you do not make long-term plans in the middle of a crisis, which made perfect sense to me. And it also made me think, well, is this league reconstruction, will it just be temporary? Or, like we've seen from Leanne Dempster, from Hibs, who's left this task force, Mm -hmm. to focus on how do we make sure the game is safer for fans and how do we get football restarted? Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel that maybe that's the best way forward rather than this uh, overwhelming talk of of reconstruction yeah one of the it depends what type of business person you are there are some a lot of business people out there the more reptilian of the business people out there who would say never waste a good crisis get what you can out of a crisis right there are reptiles out there and that's just some business i don't like that that's just the way it is there's no point in hiding it however there are other people that say you know you you decide in haste you can repent at your leisure and you i've been saying that to so many people over so many things over the past three or four weeks this came to me when uh, people were asking me about the original the, the comments from julian knight about the professional footballers being in a moral vacuum and uh, they should all pay 30 percent right and no one had thought it through and they hadn't thought it through and he hadn't thought it through 30 percent to who where how how do you do it tax-wise do you move it should we give it all to you to the clubs to the lower clubs to you know to the nhs just nonsense just absolute nonsense because people want a knee-jerk quick reaction the thing is when the pressure is on from the media and as i say everybody else fans and also the fact that you're in crisis management and you're panicking just now people make these tough decisions and they come from all, all areas so i think decisions like that were made do not make decisions like that I agree with you in situations like this. If you do make something else going forward, it may well be you try it for a year. It may be, I, I could imagine that's a bit as far as you could possibly go, a year to a year, if you got massive agreement. I still would be shocked if you got that, but any more than that to make huge, you know, complete changes to Scottish football and on the hoof, with four, 14 people now, it's 14, it's not 15, it's 14 people now on a bunch of screens where... We all know where it's like now trying to get your word in in Zoom. It's hard enough as it is for two or three of you. And then you try and do that, and then you have to go and bring everybody else into the argument as well. And then on top of that, you need to get an 11 win, and they're all going back to their boards. I mean, really? It's just not going to happen like that. 
football analyst and superstar DJ Pat Nevin. JJ, anything you want to pick up from after that? Uh, I'd like all of this to go away, honestly. But, well, I mean, the whole thing's... It's interesting that it's come around. It's obviously, we keep saying there's far more uh, relevant stuff that's happened, but like Partick Thistle saying they're not going to contest that they've been relegated, just kind of accepting it, it seems to be that you know they're not going to go down anyway because the league's probably going to get reconstructed for the one season to make sure that people don't actually get relegated. And the whole point of this vote was to make sure that clubs can get their money out so they could help the smaller clubs especially. And that's what most of the Premiership clubs are looking to do. That um, I know that about half of the Premiership clubs were just looking to get this vote done so they could get money released, so they could look after them. But then Anne Budge is saying that when she was on the board, she, she uh, greenlit a loan being given to clubs, so that is something they can actually do. So she decides she's not sure why they can't do it now. She also defended how the board have handled the whole thing. Like, it's all... It's a bit confusing and it's about, I mean, it's weighed down. The fact that there's like 15 people, is it, in this meeting that's happening on Monday? Yeah. Trying to work out what's going on. And then the Premiership representatives are Hamilton and Hearts, of course, the ones who are facing relegation. It's it's funny how it's all happened. But then there's also, like Dundee United have celebrated being promoted. Like They, they had a Zoom, a, yeah. a Zoom party, apparently. So it's not, I mean, denying some of the fans a chance to really celebrate their achievements, the players too. But I guess the important thing is that clubs just don't go out of business and that's what they're trying to sort out. We should also say that UEFA are meeting on Thursday and will effectively determine what happens to the Scottish Premiership but calling all the 55 nations on Tuesday to update them. In theory, this season could be over come the week, come the end of the week because the resolution that has been passed, the, the SPFL, the Scottish Premiership, now has the power to call the league but they're now waiting for further clarification from UEFA. Um, well, everyone is, though, and this is the problem. And like A lot of governments are talking about or trying to plan for being able to do games behind closed doors, but I mean, there was a thing in the Telegraph that was published today uh, looking at how it's possible for anyone to be able to do it. In England, they're looking at uh, potentially having games held just at Wembley, but the, the, the detail involved in getting everything, even having, if you have a game played, you have to have physio staff like ambulance staff ready in case anything goes wrong and then that's denying resources from the hospitals even if yeah you know even if it's just one or two people that have it they still have to have that going on then you got to, have to look at security making people sure people can't get in how do you keep these uh, the footballers and their families apart how do you have the footballers shaking hands for the, not shaking hands for a game i could <laughs> say to avoid it and then they're going and smashing the tackles and how do you mark them at a corner well, the, like the other thing, the other good point also made by the, the chief medical officer from Scotland saying, you know, how can you not stop people from uh, large gatherings as well, even if it's televised, you know, trying to make sure that nobody stays at home as well. There's there's a fear there as well, which they have to manage um, if that was the case. It's just it's just not it's just not the right time for any of this ever. <laughs> Yeah, we'll find out what happens. No, nobody knows. A lot of the people, as we said before, are looking for leadership that they're not getting yet. We don't know what's happening. And Budge doesn't know what's happening. Neil Goncaster <laughs> certainly doesn't know what's happening. So uh, let's just find out. JJ, the other big thing for me, and I hear it on Twitter all the time, like there's a real desire and there's a real hunger for league reconstruction. And I get it and I feel it and I agree with it. But I really genuinely do not believe we're going to be in a position where it's going to happen as much as there's a task force for it 
you've heard from Pat Nevin, you need to have 11 Scottish Premiership teams vote for this resolution, whatever guys it may be in. And I just don't see it happening. I, I don't, I, I almost feel like dirty getting a conversation of how it might look or what it might be because I just don't believe it's going to, I don't see how Celtic or Rangers will join forces with the rest of the of the division and I'll be no, happy if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't I don't see that. I can imagine they come together for this one season. I mean it makes perfect sense to have 14 teams for one season just to get that and then the ones, you know, you, you arrange it so that the following season it can reset back to how the structure was before unless suddenly everyone loves it during the 14. But there will have to happen. be but there will have to be things in place that Celtic and Rangers will protect the the TV money that they are likely to receive through the Celtic Rangers games, and four of those, at least in a season, and, and I just don't see how but they would. Be protected. The they problem is the smaller clubs getting fewer games against the the old firm. That's the that's the. Well, there's that really. too. There's that too. They'll get I their four don't... games. They're going to play each other in the cup at some point anyway. Like there's, they're getting their their money. It's the smaller clubs you got to worry about. That's the ones that. The TV money it's not the, is it's not, the club, from... it's not the clubs that Celtic and Rangers have to worry about. If you think from their point of view, yeah, but without a league with clubs, they don't they don't have any way to make money. So, I would sure. like to think that for all the things that happened in the past, or whatever, I can't imagine there's anyone foolish enough on that on the boards of either club who don't want the league to and all the clubs to still exist, so they can still play games. <laughs> Unless they want, I, I mean, maybe this is their way to get into a European Super League, but that's conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> it's not that time. There's no one going to be playing for ages, and the problem they're talking about trying to play this season again in like August or September. It's not happening. It's going to be months no way. Like, yeah. stuck doing this for ages. No way. And, yeah. and even when it does come back, there will be definitely be behind closed doors. But you know, despite all the doom and gloom, JJ, it seems wrong not to include some Wagner at the end of this segment. Some what? <laughs> and it's not the Wagner, Wagner you're thinking of, because it's the X Factor star who has offered his congratulations to Wraith Rovers on achieving promotion. And if this isn't worth it, what is? He's always at it. One of these <laughs> celebrities just living off. What was he on the X Factor? Was it? He was an X Factor. I think he got to the final. And he's he's a bit of a football fan. I've seen him at um, Grimsby Town. How is he still once well? before? I don't know. <laughs> I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Tall Swedish strikers with little ponytails, special. Winning the little jackpot on Paddy Power Games, not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com, 18plusbegumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. We're going to play football. Andrew, as we know, the split has happened after many draws. Mm. A normal amount of draws, I would say. A hat-trick of headers happened last week for Alex Gogic. But the most damning table-changing result was that a 4-3 win for St Johnston over Hamilton 
shunted Hibs into the bottom six. Oofed. Pretty spooky. I'm sure you'll agree. It was. It was a spooky game. <laughs> it's all skeletons so, everywhere. So, what, so this what was, was the, the table- splits. Well, the he- split heading into the weekend, right? It's just happened. The splits just happened now. You'll be shocked to learn that Celtic are still top, right? So that's the first thing. Rangers are second. Uh, Motherwell are still third. But, but challenging Celtic. Rangers are second, but challenging. Yeah, well, that's what draws, <laughs> draws will do that to you. So Johnson fifth, Aberdeen fourth, Livy six, Hibbs seven, Kelly eight, St. Mirren nine, Ross County ten, Hamilton eleven, Hearts twelve. That's the table. And we were blessed this weekend with another Edinburgh derby. There was the cup semi-final. I mean, done. this is the beauty of the split, right? Exactly. So Hearts had to win this. Because if their city rivals were to get a result at Tyne Castle, it could be the end. There's nothing better than than your city rival relegating you. That's yeah. It's the kind of game where I think Hibs might have got a draw. I think. (laughs) What no no? Quite common. Maybe, maybe a one-one like a late equaliser. I think Hearts Mm. be one-nil up, and they think they'd have it in the bag, and then there'll be something stupid, like a stupid back pass that uh, puts I don't know Boyle through on goal. No, Boyle goes through in the wing from like a stupid pass that they made in the middle of the pitch and he crosses the Doidio who scores. That's what happened there. 1-1. Electric. Kelly versus, Kelly versus Hamilton was boring AF. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. And I think, what do you think the score was? We'll go with whatever you think. Uh, Kilmarnock Hamilton would definitely have ended in a draw. Kilmarnock can score goals. Hamilton can score goals or have done this season, but... That's correct. Um yeah, still still struggling with injuries, I think, and just getting players sent off in general. So nil-nil for this one. That's right. Uh, St. Mirren versus Ross County. They had Oof. 32 points each before this weekend it's just passed. But would you believe it? If there was a world without this virus thing, it would have been a draw. A one-all draw between St. Mirren and who would have thought? I know. I'm surprised. Know. This crazy. is a big game. Billy Mackay. Well, especially exactly the keyboard has spoken as well. <laughs> especially knowing that you know, with with Hearts grabbing a point, this is good for St. Mirren Ross County to crazy. get Again, further away. This is what happened. And then the other game is Celtic versus Livingston. Now we know that Livingston have beaten Celtic already this season before going into this weekend. Only at Livingston. And can I surprise you by telling you what happened in this game? Tell me. What do you think happened? I think it may have been... It was a draw, that's right. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I really struggled to think of it, that one. It's crazy. Crazy how this... That's th- mental. Another... We're almost like a full whitewash of draws. Absolutely. Rangers and Johnson was a big one, obviously. I know you were excited for this one. This was a huge game because everyone was... Everyone's been talking about this game for about, you know, the whole year. I couldn't Ever since it couldn't be played, this, this was the game. Exactly. And what did you think happened? Well, as fact, do you think you know what happened? What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch this one. Not it was a big game, but it, it still finished nil nil. A draw. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was nil nil. Um, it didn't live up to the hype. No, but well, Motherwell but Aberdeen was the next one, right? And they're both going for third. Motherwell's got the advantage. Going big fight weekend. for Europe. This wasn't it. Well, that's correct. That is indeed correct. Just just a point separates them. One's been playing nice football all season. One has definitely not. Wow. And do you know what that means? What does that mean, JJ? It means it was a draw. Ah, so they're still separated I thought you'd, by I thought you'd guess that, but you didn't go for I don't, it. I've, listen, how can you guess the, the Scottish Premiership? I, it's, a, it's a dice roll every time, Andrew. <laughs> uh, and that's what happened to the weekend. A series of 1-1 draws, crazy. Constantine scored instantly in that. The video printer on uh, <laughs> BT Sports score and uh, Gillette Soccer Saturday must have been going off the hook. Exactly, but someone won a lot of money in the pools, so that was that's useful. 
And then that was it. That was a week that wasn't. And what a series of results that was. And it's going to take a while to work out how the table looks now. But we'll know by next week. And when, when we, and when I say we, I mean producer Abby works that out. <laughs> uh, and now we're going to have a look at my team of the season. I'm up for this one. Team of the season. All right, JJ, we're finally here. It's the it's the finale of your team of the season. It's been a pretty pretty wild journey, all of this. Um, but I mean, the fans can't wait. The, the oh. tweets coming, I mean, they haven't stopped. I mean, when you talk about football teams, everyone wants to know who your striker is. But before we get there, can you yeah. just quickly run through what your team looks like and, first of all, who they are managed by? Well, there were parameters set for this team in the season, if you haven't been following along, and the the rules are that I had to pick, just me, Andrew got out with this one, I had to pick a team of the season. Oh, I can still judge. <laughs> correct. I had to pick a team of the season that had a player from each club, so there's one. So there's only 12 teams in the league, as you'll be aware, for now. And uh, <laughs> there's a manager as well, so 11 players and a manager, which means that I've had to choose Jim Goodwin as St Mirren manager, if you want to the re- explanation for that is, you know, I mean, this is a great series, so you should listen to the other podcast. Uh, Xander <laughs> Clark's in goal, he plays for St. Johnson. Aaron Hickey's at left back, he plays for Hearts. Andy Considine is at centre back because he has to be. It's Andy Considine. Declan Gallagher of Motherwell made it in. Stephen O'Donnell of Kilmarnock. Wow, what a back four. I'm sure you'll agree. And it's based entirely on form and not that I know they're the best player from each club. Martin Boyle <laughs> is on the wing. He plays for Hibs. Ryan Jack. I like Ryan Jack. He's at Rangers. Uh, next to Alex Gogic, the uh, defensive-minded midfielder, can double up as a centre-back to change the shape. Useful. Mm-hmm. Stephen Lawless can play as a left-winger or a centre-mid, like an attacking midfielder. And again, gives us options to change the shape should we need to. And that means we're on to... Strikers of the season. Lovely. Strikers of the season. So just to just to make it clear for everyone as well that this means that you're left with Celtic and Ross County to choose your strikers. That is correct. I, so I think put us out of our misery. Who's who's playing <laughs> from Celtic? Uh, Scott Brown. No, Odson Edward <laughs> is the uh, striker. He's the best player in the league by some distance. He'll be playing for probably a French team, if not a Premier League team, once football returns in the year 3009. <laughs> so look forward to that. Robot Edward rules the penalty areas of a uh, of that year that I just said. And uh, next to him, Billy Mackay. <laughs> Billy Mackay, the experienced veteran. He's not even been that good, but it's either him or uh, Ross Stewart. He could be very good next to Edward. What do you, you think? Know. Should we have Ross Stewart or Billy McKay? What should we do? I would say, uh, to be honest, mm, I would say I would say Billy McKay. Okay. Because purely, just because, just because, because I don't care. Why not? How about because the team is so brutal, both of them can play, but they can swap yeah. all the way through the game. So, but McKay can start, and then he comes off like a rolling sub. <laughs> We've got rolling subs now. That'll work. Oh wow. I mean, this wow. whole bit is terrible. We've really, really squeezed the juice. It's out not. It's not dead. It's not, a, it's not a great team. I think when you look from the back, the the best thing you've done is you you've you you basically got uh, Jim Goodwin as the manager, who, best as we know, has gotten the absolute best he possibly can out of that St. Mirren side. Who I'd say the only players who de- actually deserve to be there 
are Hickey, who was impressive as a youngster, probably not the best left back in the league, really. Constantine definitely deserves to be in there in team of season. Any team of season would have Constantine in it, I think. Ooh. Lawless could have made it in as a sub. Edward has to be there, obviously. But we can do a, re- a real, genuine team of the season another time. Have we yeah, done one maybe next week. Have it next maybe week. next week. Yeah. Right, wow. we're done. That's I'm glad it. we have to do this ever again. Well, let's let's just re- let's just recap then. Jim Goodwin's the manager. We've learned that Alex Gogic is the perfect partner for Ryan Jack, and that Ryan Jack, like Jack Ross, is a name that you must say in full. Isn't that correct, correct. JJ? Correct. Even though Jack Ross is actually called John James Ross. Anyway, and um, speaking of Hibs, we've learned that you only have to play two months of the season to be selected for the team of the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but most importantly, what we've learned is that you should never choose a team of the season that only allows you to have one player per team. We've done it, so you don't have to. Correct. Team will be on Twitter, JJ, so you can you can oh, lo- you can look for some excellent replies. <laughs> and if you have a podcast, and you all do. Don't do this. <laughs> if you want to offer your opinion on JJ's team of the season, yes, I did get out of this one. Uh, you just need to at the Totally Show to show your appreciation for JJ Rovers. JJ would you be a Rovers or would you be a, Knight- a United? I think probably United. No. JJ United. Just FC. JJ FC. It's four yeah. letters. Like it. You have to say, but it's all white as one, so it's just... Anyway, okay, cool. Um, so just before we end the show then let's get off this item as quickly as possible Please. let's head let's head to our retro FIPA time vortex next listeners we want to tell you about a beautifully simple way to showcase and sell your photography PicFair is used by over 150,000 people worldwide. It's a free platform that allows anyone to sell their photos from complete amateurs like me to seasoned professionals, probably like some of you out there in Podland. And PicFair is so simple. All you do is upload your photos, name your price and those pics will appear on your personal online photography store. Your photographs will also be listed on PicFair's central marketplace, where images taken by people who've never sold a picture before have been published by The Guardian, Time Out and Rough Guides, and they've even been used on the front cover of National Geographic. Alongside digital downloads, customers can also purchase your photos as beautiful frame prints and canvases, and whether you sell them through your own store or the marketplace, PicFair will produce the prints for you in high-quality labs and take care of all of the shipping. So if you've got time on your hands and you're wondering what to do with all of the brilliant photos you've got lying around on your hard drive or camera roll, go to pickfair.com and sign up for free today. That's P-I-C-F-A-I-R.com. Pickfair, a new home for your photography. So it's time to end with some retro football. Last week we discussed our favourite players. This week we're looking back on a match that in 2008 would have pitted us up against each other. But before we get there, what was 2008? 2008, the year that Barak saw change get a whole new campaign. Thanks, Obama! Whilst over here, we had Rafe Rover's biggest fan, Gordon Brown, at the helm of the country. And south of the border, someone called Boris Johnson became Mayor of London. We should never have let him off that zip wire. In the music world, Britney made her comeback. It's Britney, bitch. Katy Perry kissed a girl and she liked it. And a wee singer from Bishop Briggs hit the top of the album charts. That was the life. In movie news, Heath Ledger asked, Why so serious? The Marvel saga began as Iron Man blasted into cinemas and Indiana Jones ruined their entire repertoire. 
and Woolworths began to close its doors for the last time and let's face it, pick and mix just hasn't been the same since. You can afford it now, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't all bad news because the Premiership's Aberdeen and First Division's Queen of the South faced each other in the Scottish Cup and played out the highest ever scoring semi-final. And that is where our story begins. Chip ball and footprints. Jim Thompson knocks it on. There's an opportunity for John Shaw! The word unbelievable is overused in football, and I'll tell you what I'm using it now. Unbelievable by Queen of the South. The day Queen of the South were amazing and brilliant and beat your beloved JJ. <laughs> your Didn't beloved I... Aberdeen. I wasn't playing. No, you weren't. How much do you remember of this game, JJ? Um, I remember... It's one of those weird games where I sort of... It's Aberdeen was a weird team at the time. Calderwood made them... Jimmy Calderwood came in after Steve Patterson at Aberdeen and turned them into a team that could do... That they could draw with Bayern Munich, like two ball, beat Copenhagen 4-0, put some really good players in, like Jamie Smith and Barry Nicholson and all, like, and Scott Severin, some really good players there at the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's something to do with just the mentality of people in the city or the football club that... Often they go, oh, that's good enough. Like reaching, being third or fourth is good enough. The occasional little little adventure into Europe is is fine. But then when the little small teams turn up, like Queens, they just do, Aberdeen don't start as well. And you see that. I remember not being as shocked or like appalled as as many supporters were. Really, I sort of had a feeling it would happen. <laughs> because well, the thing is, like, there was no way in my mind and plenty of friends' minds that we really felt like Queens would have won this game. We kind of, we, th- we thought we would score and we thought we would be in the game, but th- that we wouldn't reach the final. And just even getting a day out at Hamden was pretty special. And even the fact that this was, this was Queen of the South's first ever televised game as well was, was a massive thing for the town, not, not just the club. But there was no way we ever thought we would have beaten Aberdeen, who... I think this was their second semi-final as well. Aberdeen lost to Queen's Park in the Cup. I think it was the season before or the season before that. It's the kind of thing we just... I, I could expect it. I don't know... I don't remember exactly how I felt at the time or how the teams were at the time. I don't remember what it was like exactly. But it'd be the equivalent of... I think the gap between like Aberdeen and Celtic in a Cup final or Cup semi-final would be further today than the gap between Queen and Second and Aberdeen was that day. Maybe, maybe. I mean, a lot of people I, will probably disagree with me there. But the 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 thing with Queen of the South was they were they were under Gordon Chisholm as manager, and he had made them a much better side, a much you know more difficult team to to beat. But if we talk about this game, when it kicked off, you there was some there was something inspired about Queens. They seemed like they just weren't going to let this opportunity leave them because, well, they took well, the lead. Uh, they and, um, from the start. Every every time, the, yeah. Watched the highlights they, earlier, and uh, the thing, uh, that one of the things I remember, like Jackie McNamara is not really hugely fondly remembered for his time in Aberdeen. Not that they don't like him, but it's just he didn't do. You know, he was a good player, but he didn't maybe turn it on when he was at Aberdeen for a while. But he was, I would say, what, what's the word I want to use here? Like he didn't embody what was wrong with Aberdeen, but he seemed really sl- a bit lethargic, a bit slow, complacent. I think is the thing, mm. and. Uh, when because Queens were going straight at them because a big opportunity right and they're running at them trying to press and like win this ball and just take the game to Aberdeen. Aberdeen, they're thinking, no, it's only Queen of the South. It's going to be fine, and that's how you end up just losing a bit of the momentum and you lose a bit of the mental battle. And then you're always chasing, 
And for it, sure, but the Queens always get taken the lead each time. But there was there was a massive blow for us as well because Stephen Doby, as much as we we'd taken the league and, and Aberdeen had, had um, equalised, Stephen Doby came off in the first half and was replaced by John Stewart, who would prove quite pivotal later on. Well, he scored the but, winner. But having a player like Doby, you kind of felt like you would you would always have a chance um, of scoring. Um, well, that, that reminded me exactly of when Ronaldo got injured in the final of the Euros yeah. and went off. Dobby is similarly prolific in front of goal. <laughs> and without Ronaldo, Portugal were probably a better team because they were more of a unit, you yeah. see. And maybe that was what spurred them on, is not having Dobby up front. Can you remember the team, Queen of the South? The starting 11? I don't remember. I, I just I remember Jamie McDonald being on loan from Hearts in goal. I, I, it, because this is why I would say the special mentions for absolute legendary players like Jim Thompson who was at centre half he was 37 at the time and uh, he was he was unbelievable in this game I think he only lost one header and that's when Aberdeen scored one of the three goals but he was amazing he was ex-Aberdeen Steve Tosh was ex-Aberdeen there was a lot of um, kind of Jim Thompson himself was a boyhood Aberdeen fan um, and played amazing in this game you also, it wasn't just Steve Tosh, there was John Stewart, who was an ex-Aberdeen, and I think there was one other player. And Barry Nicholson, who's playing for Aberdeen, is from Dumfries. That's right. So, you know, there was there was loads of connections in this game, but thankfully it was just an amazing day for Queen of the South fans. And, and funnily enough, I always... Do you know who always sticks out in my head? is Sean O'Connor, who had like two or three spells at Queen of the South. Was never really like an amazing player, but he had this kind of stature and, and kind of presence you just couldn't bundle him off a ball it, it wasn't like he was a great a, a very good player but he could kind of clumsily get himself into goal scoring opportunities and I always remember him behind the bar at the Nith Hotel in Glen Capel one of my good friends used to work behind that bar I was saying, he's although, the although bar. Queens, no, you're behind the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, I think he was seeing the daughter of the landlord or something like that. So Wait, he used so to work behind, behind the, the bar. When you say behind the bar, you mean he actually worked in the bar? Yeah, right. And this was the time was... when Queen. Of, this was this was 2008. Queen of the South went full time for the first time. Right. Um. But yeah, he was still pulling pints behind the bar like an absolute lad. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember remember my mate telling me a story once where um, behind the bar the the Guinness had ran out. And uh, the landlord was like, "Oh, Sean, go down and change the keg. We've run out of Guinness." And Sean's like, "Sean O'Connor's like six foot five or something like that, big guy." And uh, went down, and apparently my mate decided to put a glass of tenants underneath the Guinness tap and poured, but poured a pint of tenants under and put it underneath the Guinness tap. And he's like, "Sean, what have you done? You just put put tenants underneath the Guinness tap." But hey ho, he could pour a pint and score goals. That was Sean O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a decent Aberdeen team But obviously didn't manage to get through Queen's got to the final though How'd they get on there? Did you go to it? Yeah, yeah, I went to that game I, I just finished my first year at university And then went to went to Hamden with my dad uh, And a pal of mine I took my pal to his first ever football game And uh, that was a really weird game Because I think there was more people at Hamden Supporting Queen's than there are people in Dumfries which is like 40,000, so there must have been way more, roughly about 40,000 in Glasgow, Queen of the South fans. But anyway, the 
I think Queen of the South were two 0 down at half time. I think it was Chris Boyd and Demarcus Beasley scored for Rangers, and we were thought, well, at least at least it's been a great adventure. And then we came out in the second half, and Steve Tosh scored, and then Jim Thompson scored a header two minutes after. So that was fifty two minutes, and it was two two. And I remember Sean O'Connor having that, like just one of those games where he was an absolute pain to the Rangers defenders, but we we just got unlucky. And I was right in front of the winner from Chris Boyd, the free kick. We just this was a time when Chris Boyd took most of the free kicks for Rangers, where he just hit it as hard as he could, kind of George Albert style, and it went in, which was unfortunate. Um, but it was still just one of those memories that which will never ever leave anyone. Also, um, UEFA just, Cup off the back of it because they were playing Rangers in the final, right? So that's how they got to the UEFA Cup. Yeah, because Rangers obviously being in the final, they'd they'd. That, that European place became available. So they played, I think it was FC FC Norgeland or something like that. And Sean O'Connor, I'm bigging up Sean today. He scored in that game um, to become the first Queen of the South player to score in Europe. There you and go. that's how they won the UEFA Cup. I should probably stop myself there, JJ, because I think I could talk about um, those times for hours. But uh, we'll leave it there. So thanks, JJ, for your time. We'll have to end this week's show. Oh, we're done now, are we? Yeah, that's oh. us. But until then, everyone, uh, stay safe. JJ, you stay safe. Wash your hands. And how. And uh, thanks to Little Kicks for a little theme tune. Thanks to Abby for looking after us. And um, we'll see you all next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Hello listeners, I'm Caroline Barker, host of The Totally Football League Show. I'm joined each week by Sam Parkin. Say hello, Sam. Hi, Caroline. By Adrian Clark. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. And the Bolton Wanderers fan too. Not Adrian, but Joe Criddy. Looking forward to League Two. Yes. Each week we go headfirst into the EFL to bring you the latest from the pitches to the next crisis to whatever Ian Holloway has said now. From Leeds to Luton, Sunderland to Plymouth, Swindon to Stevenage and everything in between. If it's the EFL you want, we've got you covered. Haven't we, Ollie? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. <laughs> Your guess is as good as ours. That's the Totally Football League show out every Wednesday. In the most delightful way. It's brilliant. I just love it. Muddy News Media.